On this episode of The Flop House, we discuss The Great Wall. At the Philly Podfest in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, America. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalen. Woo! Woo! Uh, this Dan, is a... why does it sound so like there's so many more people here in your apartment? <laughs> you How many times are you going to make time. that joke? <laughs> Till it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're uh, recording as part of the Philly Podcast Festival. Thank you for having us, Philadelphia. Yeah! yeah. Your town is as warm as your cheesesteaks. Okay. <laughs> this is a weird way to why put we, it. Uh, why don't we back that one up and give it another shot? Doot, doot, doot. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming out on a Sunday night when, yeah. uh, what, Game of Thrones and Game stuff? Game of Thrones it's, is on. It's the season premiere of Game of Thrones. That's right. Everybody's favorite show about the toilet. <laughs> little game I like to play called Am I Gonna Make It On Time? You know, folks, it's funny. <laughs> Who here's from out of town, huh? <laughs> I'm going to do my tight five on toilets. So what do we do on this podcast, Dan? <laughs> this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh-huh. That sounds like fun. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to watch it right now. <laughs> start up the DVD player. Okay. Okay. And we Wait, should start up in. a DVD player and talk about a different movie than the one we talked about tonight. I know I put a call out on the social media plats. Asking for uh, was one of those Oliver Platt. Yeah, asking for recommendations for a movie we should watch, and I delivered them all to Dan. Yeah, and he just put them in the garbage in front of me. (laughs) And I said, "But Mannequin," and Dan says, "I love Mannequin." (laughs) (laughs) To in retrospect, we probably should have watched. We should have watched Mannequin. Sorry, Philadelphia. I know you, you manheads were all waiting to get here. <laughs> it calls those manheads kinos. I, I would be so afraid of uh, making fun of such a beloved Philadelphia movie. I would feel like all the uh, all locals would... If all the movies would... set in Philadelphia, I'd have to say Mannequin is probably 27th most beloved. <laughs> Wait, least... are we going to make fun of the movie we watched tonight? Because I don't think I'm going to. Oh, that's a spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, Okay, so what did we watch tonight? (laughs) We watched a movie called The Great Wall, starring Matt Damon. (laughs) That's right. Son of the Mailer Damon. Mm -hmm. Matt is a little animal that follows children around until it's stolen from them for the valuable dust inside. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, That's a Golden Compass reference, Dan. Oh, okay. Read a book sometime, and that book better be The Golden Compass. Because <laughs> if you read a book, different book, it won't be that helpful. And that book better be a didactic implication of Christianity. Uh, it's a heart, it's a touching story about the maturity of children, Dan. Mm-hmm. And? Yeah. And it's a rip-snorting adventure. There's bears that wear armor in it, right? The what? Aren't there bears that wear armor in it? Yeah. Just like armor. in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, I want to live okay. where you live. 
Anyway, they're called Pantry Burn. Anyway, continue. The Great Wall. Now, The Great Wall is a movie that holds an interesting place in cinema history that I think people are going to look back on, as it was very much a, an attempt for a Chinese film to make it in the world market. Mm-hmm. Where the world market is right now, you need a big American actor to do it, and it doesn't come more big and American than Matt Damon. <laughs> Let me tell you, they went goodwill hunting for a star <laughs> who could help them to born ultimatum this movie <laughs> but unfortunately what they found was just a bunch of mall rats <laughs> was he in that or was that it's, ben affleck no That's he was ben not affleck. in that one okay well was he in bounce he was in dogma if you... Do, okay there you go what they found was a bunch of dog well that doesn't yep. make sense no, mall rat sounds better it makes more sense than mall rats <laughs> would you want to find a bunch of mall rats just scurrying around in your movie I, no. Point taken, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the Great Wall is a true story, I believe, about how <laughs> China's Great Wall was, was constructed to stop monsters. But we'll get into well, it. No, but the movie opens with the, the text crawl where they say, you know, there's all these legends about it being well, made. This is one of them. And then we zoom into, we're in outer space, and we zoom into the Earth, and we see the Great Wall of China from space, which is, of course, a fallacy. You cannot see it from space. I'm just going to put my foot down right now. People have been saying that, but when they zoom into it, it's a super CGI wall. They didn't even bother to shoot the real Great Wall. I don't think they were allowed to. Why wouldn't they? Every, they, tourists are taking pictures of it all the time. Fly a helicopter around there, just yeah, get but a bunch of shots. They, they get, like, monster blood all over it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Well, I don't think they're not telling them to shoot the action scenes well, there. And they, they insisted that Willem Dafoe was in the movie, and they're like, we can't allow him on our property. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I forgot. He's not allowed in China for various reasons. Uh, so I guess he's just a castaway, much like his ancestor. His namesake, yeah. His ancestor... Johnny Defoe. <laughs> what a weird place to go with that joke. How many other people are there named Defoe? Is there a Johnny Defoe? I no, just... it's, it's a made-up thing. All right, no. It was I a failed go... joke, Dan. All right. Daniel Defoe. You want me to commit seppuku? Because that's a Japanese thing, not a Chinese thing. You're a racist. <laughs> All right. Okay. Audience is back on my side. Okay. I did it. Yeah, beat up on Dan, and you'll get back on Aww. the audience back on your side. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let's start the movie, shall we? Because the movie's starting, and it's a thrill ride that we're just going to have to hold on to until we let go uh, and get bored. Now, there's horsemen in the desert fighting. Bearded Matt Damon, who, is his, Irish, his accent supposed to be Irish? His I- accent, I, I don't believe, know, but is I supposed kinda, to be Irish. I kind of liked it. You know, I don't know. my right. relationship with Matt Damon's a complicated one, <laughs> but I'll never forget turning on my DVD player and hearing him sing the song of the summer. Scotty doesn't know in the movie Euro Trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people love me now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Stewart's the favorite. Uh, Matt Damon has an accent in this that I didn't even realize was supposed to be Irish till Dan told me he was offended by this Irish accent. What? It sounds to me like a mix between Canadian and like stereotypical Native American. Because he's like, Matt Damon's like, we're gonna, we're gonna go into China and we're gonna find this black powder. <laughs> we'll carry enough black powder back to make our way in Europe. Okay, everyone. And I was like, where is he supposed to be from? They don't stop talking about black powder in this movie. It's crazy. I love it. It's like, 
I don't know. I guess pop rocks were a new thing at the time. Yeah, yeah. Everyone still thought that uh, that that the Mikey likes it kid killed himself with him. <laughs> that didn't happen. He became a successful audio recording engineer. I thought he killed himself in Vietnam. Killed himself in Vietnam. Yeah, that's right. He went over there and he's like, I can't take it. I can't take it. The things I've seen. This is the last. This is the friendliest fire. Killing yourself. Boo. Oh. oh. Boo. Oh, Dan. Oh. Oh. Talk about Euro trip. Uh, I just figured. <laughs> these people didn't come to hear that. Anyway. I just figured I'd take a heel turn. <laughs> uh, so bearded Matt Damon is with his sidekick, uh, Pero, which is, I only know that name because I looked it up because I couldn't figure out what his name was, and I just kept calling him in my notes, Matt Damon's friend. Uh, and Game of Thrones crossover, he's played by Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, they narrowly escape the bandits with a clever ruse in which they send some horses in a different direction, and the bandits chase those. Uh, but they're Westerners. It's the Middle Ages. They're looking for this legend of this black powder. We know it as gunpowder. They don't even know what guns are, so they just call it black powder. And uh, they want to find it so they can come back and make a mint. Now, Matt Damon also carries around a big lump of magnetic rock because he thinks he can make a compass out of it. And in this, he reminds me, he reminds me like one of my friends in high school, he and his dad bought an old DeSoto and they're like, we're going to fix this up someday. And it just sat in their driveway for years, untouched. And that's kind of, I imagine Matt Damon's been carrying this rock around for years. He's like, don't, no, no, don't throw that away. I'm going to make it a compass. And his friend is like, Matt, You've been saying for four years you're going to make this into a compass. Like, give it up. Buy a compass. That's one of the, the, the money... Um, money. Oh, man. One of the many things mentioned in the uh, goofs section of this movie's IMDb page is one of the many, like, mistakes. And they say, like, some fellow, I'm sure, is saying, like, uh... Magnets and compasses were already common in China. Nobody would care. I don't know why they don't have more magnet rocks. A good point. I mean, someone, <laughs> someone really down the historical, took down the historical accuracy of this movie where the Great Wall is built to keep demon monsters out. <laughs> Glad they did it. Anyway, uh... They're camping out one night, and a monster attacks them in the dark. And we don't get much of a sense of it, except that Matt Damon manages to chop off one of its arms. Uh, and he's like, whoa, what? I'm and he's like, I'm going to take this with me. He's like, I'm taking this arm. I'll turn it into a compass someday. <laughs> this will make a rad back scratcher. I just got to, like, I guess stiffen it up with lacquer or something and straighten it out. Uh-oh. I'll get to it, guys. And his, he throws it on the wagon full of junk he's been pulling well with him for hundreds of miles. Anyway, it's not the most well-staged attack, I would say. It was kind of hard for me to understand what was going on. I think until... he was tired from killing his buddies. It killed a couple buddies first and just left, like, blood. Yeah. So it, it was probably pretty beat when it ran by Matt Damon and let its arm get chopped off. <laughs> it was, there was a, there's, a, there's something about it where you know the moment in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just gazing into your eyes, Stuart. Sure. I just got yeah, lost no, I get for it. a second. Yeah, Dan was suddenly just lost in time and space. Uh, you know the moment in Star Wars where, tragically, Ponda Beba gets his arm cut off by that <laughs> terrorist Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and it's like super fast, whoa, rawr, and an arm falls. And you're like, what just happened? This is kind of like that, except you're like, wait, what? Like, what just happened? Whose arm is that? Why? I don't understand. But you're going to find out. Don't worry. Because they soon reach the Great Wall, which is covered with, like, archers and armor. And Matt Damon and his sidekick surrender. And the, sol the soldier runs through the ranks calling for, 
a lady commander, Commander Lin, who's played by Jing Tian from Kong Skull Island. And I learned this uh, while doing my research for the movie, that uh, for this movie and a couple others, she won the Golden Broom Award, which is the Chinese version of the Razzie. <laughs> and I found it like super cool that the I, I don't they like hate brooms in China. <laughs> yeah, they throw brooms at you if you do a bad job on stage. <laughs> and I just love the idea that the Chinese have their own version of the Razzie. That makes me I messed very happy. that up. For some reason, I thought you throw raspberries at people when they make a bad <laughs> movie. Oh, that'd be. You please throw delicious raspberries at me if you're unhappy with the Flophouse show tonight. I would be. Oh, no. I'd eat them up. You'll know what you're asking. I think that's going to work out the way you want it to, Dave. No? I know in your mind you're just catching raspberries in your mouth. I'm just going, mom, mom, mom. (laughs) More like none, 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 as none of those raspberries land in your mouth. And they get on your pants, and it looks like you're peeing blood. (laughs) (laughs) Or like you chopped the arm off a monster. Anyway, uh, there's a bunch of scenes in this movie of... The, this special Chinese army called the Nameless Order, which guards the wall and protects it from monsters, just getting into position. This movie loves seeing soldiers in armor getting into position and just marching along in clattering color-coded armor. And the first time this happened, I was like, this is awesome. There's blue armor soldiers, there's like green armor soldiers, red armor soldiers. It's like medieval Power Rangers, <laughs> except there's thousands of them. I love that this like movie like literally makes you a child again. You're like... Colors. <laughs> I like that, and I like that all the armored characters really never take their armor off. There's never. even a shot where this guy is like cooking in the kitchen with his armor with an apron over it, and he like takes it off. <laughs> There's like, I, j- I wish there was a scene where someone is like in the bath in their armor, or I don't even know, like he's putting a pair of pants on over, like pajamas over his armor. <laughs> Alas, no. Anyway. Uh, Matt Damon shows up with his buddy. They show them the claw, and the, the Nameless Order is like, we expected these monsters, but not so soon. Oh, no, this is nine days early. Amazon Prime lied to us about when these monsters were going to show up, and we're not ready. The rec room's not ready for these monsters to stay in. Uh, and Commander Lin, the lady commander... And I only say that because there's this one cadre of lady soldiers in it, and the rest are all dudes. And the lady soldiers are, of course, the best of them. And they're kind of like hoop bungee jump-based spear Yeah, uh, Yeah, it's like you're, you're fishing, fishing for monsters with yeah. these warriors. I don't, know if the, I don't know if either of these explanations makes it clear what these people do. There okay, are so first, ladies who put harnesses on, who jump off the wall with spears, and they bungee into these monsters and spear the monsters. It's like if Cirque du Soleil did an all-lady Moby Dick, and instead of a whale, it was monsters. Yeah. Like, that's... How does it get... How does it, how can it be clearer than that, and Dan? <laughs> and though they're fairly successful, they're not always successful, because there's a lot of shots of monsters, like, ripping, ripping them in half, and then there's one shot of a guy, like, lazily just tossing their harnesses into a big bloody pile. <laughs> well, I prefer to think it was like they retired their harness, like an NBA player's jersey in the rafters. <laughs> yep. It's like, we'll just keep this here to remember them by clink. Uh, but anyway, uh, no sooner has... Uh, has uh, Matt Damon delivered this claw. Then Commander Lin says, I don't trust them. Throw them in the stocks. And, uh, mean, and that's when the war drums start beating. And they bring out these enormous, like, steampunk siege, anti-siege engines. And, like, incredible. It's just so elaborate when they show them preparing for battle. Like, half the movie is just, like, battle prep. They should have called this movie Battle Prep, the movie. <laughs> 
sequel to Battletoads, the movie. And, and this is when I felt really bad because, so there's strategist, strategist Wang, who's played by Andy Lau, who I love. And I didn't even recognize that it was him, I think because he was wearing a hat the whole time. And I, didn't, I couldn't see his hair, so I didn't know it was and him. And he played the same role that Matt Damon played in Infernal Affairs and, uh, you know, the one that Matt Damon was in that was based on The that. Depotted. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but that's weird, right? Because they're all in Bastard. They both played the same character and they're in the same movie. I wonder, Do you think they talked about it? I imagine when they first met each other, they looked at each other, and then one went like this and put his hand up, and the other put his hand up, and then they did the whole mirror routine. <laughs> and then when they touched each other... They turned into a blob, like at the end of Time Cop. Yep. <laughs> when the two Ron Silvers touch each other, somewhat affectionately, and turn into a blob. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen the end of Time Cop. Do the two Ron Silvers make out with each other? Uh, no. I mean, it de- depends on your definition of making out. Is making now, out mean uh, turning into a CGI blob and then disappearing? So I've got my idea for my Time Cop uh, web fiction. I you guarantee haven't even finished you, the movie. I guarantee you that Time Cop story must exist already. <laughs> Where Ron Silver meets Ron Silver, and they're like, oh, Ron Silver, you're so attractive. And we both have this scar that you got in the earlier scene. Oh, well, Ron Silver. That maybe I was too specific about my knowledge of Time Cop there. We're I don't both know. in blue steel. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt Damon and his buddy, they marvel at how incredible this army is. And a lot of the movie is these two Westerners being like, China's really great. China's, look at how great these Chinese people are, which is like, not a bad thing. I don't know, whatever. But uh, it turns out what they're, but there are times when it's like, there's times when the message of the movie is a little overt (laughs) about, you know, know, we've really got a lot we can learn about from these Chinese guys. And like, I'm sure we can, but come on. We should work together and make more movies, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a lot to learn about killing monsters from these Chinese people. There is is a little bit where it's, I almost wish they'd had Matt Damon go like, hey, if these guys ever get movie-making technology, I want to see it. And I'll read subtitles. (laughs) You know what? Even though I'm a Westerner, I want to watch these movies. I hope they make more tentpole summer mainstream action films. And his friend is like, what are you talking about? But it sounds amazing. (laughs) Anyway, uh, here's what they're defending against. Because here's when the monsters show up. They're like uh, the demon dogs from Ghostbusters. If if their eyes were on their shoulders. Strange placement, but go on. It's very, it's very Wayne Barlow in terms of its design for anyone who's familiar with fantasy and science fiction artist Wayne Barlow. Uh, and there's a lot of them. There's, there's like, it's one of the things where they're like, there's probably 50,000 of these monsters. And you're like, where are these monsters hanging out in between attacks? Because what you learn is that every 60 years these monsters show up and it's like, <laughs> So are these monsters just kicking back somewhere, like having like a Sturgis rally for 60 years somewhere in the Mongolian plains? Dan, explain. Um, There's a monster convention that they go to where all the monsters get together, and they talk about monster stuff. Like like, all monsters or just that kind of monster? No, just all monsters. And uh, it it, it lasts a while. They talk about clawing. They talk about biting. Mashing, et cetera. Gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, out come the weapons, flaming catapult bombs, you got your bungee attack lady spearfighters that we talked about, uh, and it turns out the soldier monsters, who are all men, they're drones, are controlled by a big queen monster, which basically looks like a brood. It's just, at this point, they're like, let's just take a brood and we'll just give it like a frill like the Dilophosaurus in Jurassic Park. Would mash them up, who cares? And she talks... So lazily ripping off things. <laughs> and the- they... Now, with these monsters, there's so many of them. I would expect them to be, like, super easy to kill, but they're kind of tough. It kind of depends on who... Unless you got a magnet rock. 
In which oh. case, they are immediately docile. Because she, the queen, re- communicates with them with her vibrating forehead flap. And <laughs> they find out that this magnet, it interrupts the vibration waves that she uses to communicate with them. And again, she communicates by vibrating a flap on her head and making sound. This communication can go over thousands of miles, it seems. Like hundreds of, it's crazy. It's basically telepathy. But anyway, uh, a monster gets on the wall. Matt Damon kills it and saves a Chinese soldier, who I learned after looking it up. The guy, everyone in this is a big star in China. This guy who plays like a cowardly Chinese soldier who becomes a hero and learns his courage and eventually sacrifices himself, sadly, to save everybody else. According to Forbes last year, he was the 37th highest earning celebrity in China, which is pretty big. Yeah. That's pretty high up there. How, in terms of celebrities in Dan, it's in America, Dan, where are you? On that <laughs> in terms list? of celebrities in Dan, I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> Highest yeah. earning da- celebrities in Dan. What would you say in America? You're number like, what? Uh, <laughs> celebrity? Yeah. Like yeah, I'm like a, like a million, two million and three, maybe? Exactly, okay. So this guy's way I mean, more the, famous He's than playing you. the role that if this was another movie, DJ Qualls would be playing this character. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. America's 37th most popular celebrity, DJ Qualls. Just trying to put it into perspective Not most popular, 37th highest earning. DJ Qualls has had a number of insanely strong investments. (laughs) Yeah, and he's got his side DJ business that he makes a lot of money off of. Huge. All those ASCAP fees. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the Westerners, they turn out to be pretty good at demon fighting. Because, of course, it's Matt Damon. Matt Damon, big demon. Maybe they know each other. Uh, <laughs> and Willem Dafoe is watching from the shadows, as I assume he does everything. Oh, yeah. He's, he's playing a creep? Weird. <laughs> and he's playing a creepy Westerner who's been there for years. They won't let him leave, but he really wants to leave. But his first thing he tells them is, hey, bathe and shave. You guys got a BNS. And so they lose their beards. Matt Damon is now the uh, cutie smooth face that we know him as. Uh, Matt Damon proves he's a super cool archer. With a mm-hmm. trick he pulls off with a bowl. Yeah, he's and like I a thought, Bard Bowman. I literally a regular Hawkeye. I, ri- I literally put, he goes, I'm unbeatable with my bow. And I literally wrote in my notes, archery skills contest. I was excited. Nope, too soon. Matt Damon does one CGI enhanced trick, and the archery section is over. <laughs> Everyone else is like, they're all eating in the mess hall. And the other guys are like, that's pretty cool. Back to our grub. <laughs> Very disappointing. Anyway, uh, and the movie's trying for like a witty kind of Raiders type thing with a lot of them, but it's, it's a little leaden, I felt like. We'll get to that later. Uh, the commander and Damon, they share backstories. He was a mercenary boy. He's had to fight for his whole life for bad things, so now he doesn't trust anybody. And she's like, this whole nameless order is based on trust. We've got to trust each other. And if we don't trust each other, who are we going to trust? Dan? Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters? What's <laughs> that? As long as, uh, or without ghost trusters. Yeah. The, no, the, the, this... <laughs> I guess it would be just people who tell their secrets to ghosts. The subtitle... <laughs> now, don't tell anybody, Gozer, that I'm still a virgin. <laughs> and Gozer the Gozerian is like, your secret is safe with me. <laughs> Let me just lock it behind this, this door. <laughs> Slimer, I've got a crush on Brian. Don't tell him, though, okay? My mouth's going to be too full of hot dogs to tell anybody anything. I'm Slimer. Dan? Uh, no, I was just going to say... That- <laughs> I can't follow that, but I was going to say that the subtext of the movie is spelled out that obviously. Like, it is like, hey, you got to trust someone. No, I can't trust anyone. But you got to trust someone. No, I can't trust anybody. I'm going to go over here and not trust people. All right, well, you'll just be over there not trusting someone. Yes, thank you. I trust people, though. There was less talk about trusting people in the movie The Trust. Yeah. 
Anyway, D- D- Willem Dafoe is, says, like, let's escape. I know where the black powder is. When the, an- when the monsters attack, we'll just skidaddle out of here. We'll just blow a hole in the wall and get out of here. The tactician Wang is like, your magnet rock can help Strategist us. Strategist Wang. Strategist Wang. And he says, a meteor fell from the earth. Now it's a meteorite. I know. Sorry, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I know the difference between meteor and meteorite. And <laughs> these monstros came out, and every 60 years, monstros are attacking us. Time for another fight. It's another battle. Uh, some monsters get on the wall. There's a big phalanx. Is that the one fight. where they shoot the monsters with whistle arrows so he knows where they're coming from? Uh, that's a little later, but we okay. just, But to get there, we just have to skip past a funeral for a character that, frankly, I couldn't remember who he was. Oh, right. <laughs> and yeah. there's this. There's a lot of drums and voices and, like, flaming hot, hot air balloons that go up in the air. And the music is kind of like a Chinese Peter Gabriel, in a way. <laughs> uh, anyway... They, uh, Matt Damon is like, I want to capture one of these demon animals so that we can test that magnet rock on it. And his friend is like, let's just go. Why are we helping them? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to help. He doesn't trust anybody, but I think he's got a thing for that Commander Lin. Dan, it's, what do It's you possible. Think? Or maybe he just wants even more black powder. We'll see. That's possible. I don't know. Maybe it's a long con. I don't know. There's a big fight. The wall reveals that it has huge scissor blades for cutting monsters in half when they're climbing up the wall, which was pretty amazing, even though it must be the most unwieldy weapon to use. (laughs) And uh, they're fighting, and Matt starts commanding... Matt Damon starts commanding them... (laughs) You can can just call Matt. Not not anyone I know named Matt, you know? He starts commanding them, and it's like, Matt Damon, didn't you just meet one of these monsters for the first time like two days ago? But suddenly he's like, isolate it from the others. We'll get that one. Long story short... They capture one, and they test the magnet rock on it, and it works. Great. Once the magnet rock is there, those monsters just fall right over. And uh, they go, let's use this to stop them. And some guy who I don't even remember seeing before that moment in the movie goes, he's an envoy from the emperor, he goes, I'll bring this to the emperor. His sages will investigate it, and they leave. And when that and then when that character showed up, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be the bad guy. But he isn't. Nothing. He doesn't do anything no, for the rest of the movie. He's just like incompetent later, I guess. Uh, Matt Damon, his friend, and Willem Dafoe leave and knock him out in the process as he's trying to stop them. He gets accused of stealing the black powder, even though his friends are gone and he was knocked unconscious and is just lying there and doesn't. <laughs> it's have all any- part of his clever scam, Elliot. <laughs> Doesn't have any black powder on him. It's like the evidence here is not very strong. I would guess what I'm saying is, in, for Matt Damon at least, there was no collusion. Um, anyway, he Topical. gets <laughs> he gets locked up in the desert. Willem Dafoe betrays Matt Damon's friend. You gonna trust the guy who helped you betray yeah. your friend? Come on, what are you doing, Matt Damon's friend? You gotta Will- trust that face, right? Will- <laughs> that smile. That baby face, yeah. <laughs> that smile like a thousand shadows falling. <laughs> uh, but Willem Dafoe eventually gets his comeuppance as he's, atta- he's captured by bandits who blow him and themselves up to kingdom come <laughs> when they accidentally let a bomb fall into their campfire. It's not even like... They're performing some kind of campfire follies. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're juggling gunpowder, literally, and like the gunpowder falls into the. But it's not like this needed to be resolved, like this this plot point. It was like this this doesn't affect the main thrust of the movie at all. No, you just it was like the Willem- screenwriter was like, uh, all right, these characters have left the movie. What can we do with them? What if they just blow up? But Matt Damon's friend doesn't blow up. Matt Damon's friend does not blow up. Just but Billy the, D. And those dumb bandits. And the, and the bandits. Maybe they're trying to say something bad about bandits. 
but the movie bandits <laughs> taught me that bandits are lovable. Yeah, and the movie <laughs> BMX bandits taught me that Nicole Kidman was going to be a big star someday. That's what the movie taught you? <laughs> like that was the message of the movie? <laughs> that was the end of the movie. There was, a big, there was a crawl at the end being like, by the way, Nicole Kidman, actress in this movie, is going to be a big star someday. And I was like... Buy shares in Nicole Kidman now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you think, like, a kid who's also a man? This is impossible. <laughs> but it happened. Australia, I don't know. <laughs> anyway... Uh, they're gonna. They find out that the, the they're gonna send send some hot air balloons to the capital to warn the capital of the empire, empire, the Chinese empire. It's not the Star Wars empire. Come on, guys. That uh, that monsters are coming their way. It turns out they secretly breached the wall. They let Matt Damon go so he can warn the world. Even though up till this point they've treated the whole thing like a secret that can never be told to anyone ever. And I never quite understood why that was. Where it's like. We're under attack from monsters. Our very existence is in peril. Don't tell anybody. We do not want help. They're going to think we're losers. Yeah, because he shows up, like, at the beginning of the movie, he and his buddies show up and see this great wall, and it's like, I mean, it's supposed to be pretty great. Like, he would have heard about it, right? It's huge. <laughs> it is big. I'm just wondering, like, if they had gotten the word out, like, maybe other people would come to help them, and maybe they have someone who's better at hunting monsters. Like, hey, guys, uh, why maybe <laughs> I can stop some monsters? <laughs> Sylvester Stallone <laughs> just walked hey, into the room. <laughs> Elliot has a go, but uh, I picked up on what he was saying. What the hell? And I, f I heard you guys were in my hometown of Philadelphia, PA. Is that your hometown, or is it just Rocky's hometown? At this point, we're one in the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so far gone, I don't know which of his memories or which of mine. Anyway, I was here running up and down the steps of that art museum. Someday I'll have the courage to go inside. Yeah. <laughs> But until then, I'm a little intimidated by their collection of Marcel Duchamp's work. <laughs> now, what is it about Marcel Duchamp's work in particular that intimidates you? Well, he really made us question the concept of what art is. Yeah. It's like if a urinal can be art, then anything can be art. <laughs> and he never finished his masterwork, The Bride Strip Bear by Her Bachelor's Even, a.k.a. The Large Glass. And it makes me worry that someday I'll leave something unfinished. <laughs> it seems like you know and a lot about Marcel Duchamp's work already. I've been trying to psych myself up by researching him the way I would one of my opponents in the ring. Yeah. Or perhaps the soldiers I'm sent to kill in a foreign country. Now that raises an interesting point. How would you, as uh, Sylvester Stallone, a.k.a. Rocky, a.k.a. Rambo, take down these uh, monsters? A.k.a. Tango. <laughs> <laughs> gay what? Tango. Tango, of course. <laughs> oh, thanks, Elliot. And Judge Dredd. The gay penguin. <laughs> the gay... Tango, star of the book, Tango Makes Three. I guess technically Tango was the kid of the gay penguins, but you know what? <laughs> Let's not be, come on, put in the goof section, you know? <laughs> but you were asking me a question about my monster fighting abilities. Yeah. Now, the crazy thing is, in my many, many years as a cinematic action star, perhaps the greatest of all time, yes, I've never really fought a monster, unless there's a movie I'm forgetting at the moment. <laughs> but I don't think so. Unless you consider crime a monster, and I do. <laughs> but I think the way I do it is uh, one of two ways. <laughs> or perhaps three. Yeah. Number one, punching. 
No, certainly your, your giant veins that bulge out of your uh, arms would suggest that punching would be the A number one uh, solution that you have for pretty much any, any problem. Name a problem. Uh, <laughs> pickle jar is an opening. Punch it. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, systemic poverty? Punch it. <laughs> hey, poverty, stop being so systemic. I'm pow. <laughs> My uh, my jukebox isn't working. Is there anything you can do for that? That's more of a Henry Winkler thing. <laughs> I would punch the jukebox, but then I would be sued by Mr. <laughs> Winkler, as I must refer to him, as the court case continues to wend its way through the appeals system. I say you can't copyright a move on a jukebox. But Mr. Henry Fonzarelli Winkler disagrees. <laughs> It's been a number of years we've been fighting that one in and out of the court systems in many countries. I'm due to appear at The Hague <laughs> wow. to testify on it. Uh... Seems like they'd have better things to do. So punching would be the first yeah, way I'd fight a monster. Okay. Number two, uh, do they do anything in the movie where there's a bomb and they shoot an arrow at it and the bomb goes off? They do actually do something very similar to that. All right, well, I guess I don't have... That's not a new idea, okay. <laughs> Number three, take the monsters and tell them, you know it's a great idea. Make a comedy with a Stelgetti. <laughs> they will never survive. <laughs> I barely did. And the stories I have to tell about that radiant woman, a Stelgetti. I guess if she hadn't been such a charismatic old biddy, and I say biddy in the most respectful way possible. Sure. I wouldn't have made the movie. I would have been like, stop, don't shoot the movie. Yeah. Saw <laughs> the wheels a, turning on that one. A play on the title. Uh, and probably number four, I'd use guns. <laughs> All right, well. That was, I, I realized I had a fourth way to do it. Yeah, well, Did thanks. they have guns in the movie? No, they, they mostly well, had... Well, black powder. Yeah. They had arrows, they had black powder, they had uh, spears. Put, put them together, figure it out. <laughs> Did they have any cannons? Well, they had cannons. balls that they like dripped in juice and then lit them on fire and threw them at things. Sounds pretty delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have that. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is who do you think would win in a fight, me or Matthew Damon? Oh, wow. That's a good one because he was the fighter, right? No. No. Dan? <laughs> that's no. Not. No, that's a He wasn't the fighter? <laughs> no. No. Wait, was he invincible? <laughs> No, no I don't not. believe he's made was a he boxing in Transformers film. 4? <laughs> no. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking Mark Small. and Mark, guys. Small. <laughs> Small. All right. So, I'm gonna, so me is what you're saying. I would yeah, win you would guy. win in a fight. And, I'm, and you say that, it has nothing to factor into that decision that I'm right here and could rip your head right off your shoulders, <laughs> which I've done. I mean, this isn't being recorded, right? <laughs> Wait, you've ripped my head off of my shoulders? Let's not be stupid, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you. This is my town, and I don't appreciate you deliberately misinterpreting my words as if the context of my statement was not clear. I'm sorry, Mr. Stallone. Here, in the place our country was born. All right. That country, Stallonianea. <laughs> All right. Uh, and by our, I just meant me and my brother, Frank. 
So what else are you guys doing? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't want to rush you off, Mr. Stallone, but we're nearing the end of the time allotted for talking about the movie. So. Oh, well, I guess uh, I'll just jet back. Boom! <laughs> oh, Thank you for being here. Oh, guys, I'm back. Thank you for coming. What did I miss? Hey, Elliot. What did I miss, guys? You will never guess what you missed. First what? off, how do you feel about Tostitos? <laughs> I mean, they're great. Restaurant quality. Because you miss Sylvester Stallone again. Oh, nuts. There's no other way to put it, really. Yeah. No, yeah. I just keep missing him. Anyway, let's just cut to the end of this movie. Let's cut huh? to the end. There's a big battle in the Capitol. All, the queen shows up over there, called there by her one drone that was brought there because, foolishly, they take the magnet rock away from him to see how far away it can be before the queen knows he's there. Uh, they all get to the Capitol, and... After blowing up a whole bunch of hot air balloons. They get into hot air balloons. They ride hot air balloons there. But they, they start to fill them up, and I'm like, okay, so that's the plan. And then all of a sudden, they're, like, all on fire, and I'm like, did I miss something? <laughs> they're just not very good hot air... It's, oh, a, okay. it's the weird movie that's like, this is something that China contributed to the world. Trust in each other, working together as a team. That's the Chinese philosophy. We're not very good at hot air balloons. But let's move <laughs> along. It's like, let's be honest. Here's three strengths and a failing of Chinese society. <laughs> you, want, you want a group effort that's going to save the day? Come to China. Hot air balloons? Hey, we're not putting on airs. <laughs> Pun intended. All right. Uh, but they go there, they, they manage, they battle through the sewers, they go up into a stained glass tower, yep. and Matt Damon shoots an arrow at the one domesticated animal, the one domesticated demon, one domesticated animal, the one dog that lives there, <laughs> it's like, and his name is Farfall. Fuck you, Farnsworth. <laughs> Uh, the one, the one demon they took and they put a bomb on him. He gets up to the queen to help feed the queen because the queen eats by e eating the regurgitated food that all his, her drones find, which is yeah. kind of gross. I mean, but how pretty great because she eats while these drones vomit in her mouth, and all the other drones run around her in a circle. <laughs> yeah, that's how I like to eat. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, they managed to blow him up. The queen gets blown up, a bunch of monsters get blown up, and all the monsters, which have been crawling up the tower, climbing up all the buildings, super scary, they suddenly stop and freeze, and then they just <clears throat> fall backwards, and it looked like nothing more to me than, like, a rain of rubber bath toys. <laughs> <laughs> like, they looked so fakey rubbery when they were falling. While I was watching, I'm like, I think they have, a, they have a new resource that's better than black powder. It's piles of demon bodies. <laughs> They're everywhere. Like, I, I kind of wish the movie was one-third demon fighting and two-thirds the sanitation department dealing with all these like, demons everywhere. I like the idea, Stuart, that, like, you go back to that village and, like, there's just, like, houses built out of demon bodies now. It's just like, it's our most... Uh, Might as well use it. ...populous uh, resource. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the best thing we've got. Yeah. Eat them up. Yeah. We're going to eat for eat weeks on these eat demons. They're like, great, demon meat, delicious. But those things, they don't have refrigeration yet. They're just rotten in the sun. Terrible. Anyway, that's what real life... Sorry, I ripped apart the silver screen movie magic, but that's what it's really like when monsters are just falling dead in your streets. It's cool for like a week, and then it's, this is stinky. Let's move it out of here. That's why after King Kong fell in the street, they cut him up and served him to the homeless. <laughs> What else are you gonna do? This is the this is Times Square, the crossroads of the world, Broadway. You're gonna have a big stinky ape corpse lying down there. People are trying to get in to see Hamilton. <laughs> I don't think so, dear Evan Hansen. This gorilla's stinking up the joint. 
like, what are the guys, guys in the Great Comet of the thing? 1812. Uh, yeah, and their the, names Pierre and Natasha and the, and the giant ape corpse. Broadway, anyway. Yeah, Hello Dolly with Bette Midler yeah, playing no. now. Come to New York. <laughs> oh, here. So can I complain about something? Philadelphia, you don't care about this. This is a New York thing. I was in the Broadway area recently. By all means. And there was a po- <laughs> there was a poster for Hello Dolly with Bette Midler. I'm sure it's a great show. David Hyde Pierce is in it. I've seen him on stage. Oh yeah. In the, in the show Curtains, he was great. Frasier. Fra- TV's Frasier's brother. <laughs> And uh, it said in big letters, the greatest musical ever. And it was like, hold on. <laughs> Beloved, maybe. There is no one saying Hello, Dolly is the greatest musical ever. Elliot said this for 20 minutes to anybody who walked by. <laughs> he stood outside being like, that sign is a lie. <laughs> Don't Do believe not believe. You would Fake think news, that they could everybody. not put it on a sign. You would think that the sign would reject the paint, but no. <laughs> No. I'm surprised this building didn't burn itself down to rip the lies off its skin. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. But uh, so anyway, they save the day. Matt Damon finds his friend, ja- friend in jail and frees him rather than take the black powder. And he's going to go take him home. But there's a hint of a romance of brewing between him and Commander Lynn. And it's hinted Matt Damon may come back to that Great Wall soon. Maybe for the sequel, Great Wall 2, Great Wall Babies. <laughs> We've but not really, because this movie was a tremendous flop. It was not a hu- It was a big hit in China. Yeah. Other countries, not as much. It was the most expensive movie made in China, or made a Chinese movie, I guess. It was, I think, the most expensive backed by China. Although most studio. of it was shot in New Zealand, because they, really? as I said, couldn't film on the actual Great Wall because of so the So they could film on New Zealand's Great Wall? And- <laughs> yeah. They built a new Great Wall in New Zealand. I don't know where I'm going with this joke. <laughs> Smog's there. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so, so many hobbits died building that great wall. Um, so we should uh, do a wrap it up. And, uh, Since we're way our... over time and these people are tired, yeah, let's do wrap it up. Uh, let's do final judgments. Do our final judgments of this movie. Whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. I'm going to go first. Uh, All right. It's your prerogative. <laughs> Assign yourself the majority opinion, Chief Justice. <laughs> uh, this movie was super generic, except for the fact that it's uh, directed by, and I'm going to butcher the name, I think it's Zhang Jimo. Jimo? Zhang Yimou? Yeah. Okay. Uh, who directed House of Flying Daggers and Hero. Mm-hmm. And so it House looks of flying, yes. beautiful. And House of Flying Mirth. <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> Parker Posey and Edith Ward. Yeah. yeah. By Parker Posey and Edith Ward. <laughs> they right. collaborated on that script. They collaborated together on those scripts. Anyway, you're saying. Uh, so you expect a little bit more out of it. No, I was going to say that the, what's good about it is that it's got visual flair. Like, uh, the, the movie is very basic. It's just a monster movie about people trying to, like, people, about monsters. Who are people too, guys? Uh, the, Come I on. Think, I think about Dan, monsters. I think, are, if you're... If you're implying the Chinese are not people, no, I'm, then I must I'm take offense at that, sir. That monsters are also people. And who's that the real should... monster in this case? The intolerance in your heart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, I, but you're right. It's a it's a for a, it's a pretty basic action monster movie. Yeah, about uh, people defending a wall. It's and... weird that in a movie called The Great Wall, which is about a defending a great wall, the climax of the movie does not take place at the wall. That they leave the wall and go to a city. And the wall is almost entirely secondary. Like, the wall doesn't seem to actually be a bulwark to these monsters. That It just seems to be a thing for them to climb over. Yeah. It's Uh, it's just a tall fort. 
But what I was going to say is, like, it's beautiful looking, and you, you combine, like, a basic inoffensive uh, story with a beautiful looking film, and I kind of like it at that point. Like, it just pushes it slightly into, like, yeah, all right. I wouldn't be minus. You wouldn't kick that movie out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I have to say about that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, this is a movie that uh, approaches a movie I kind of like. Uh, I thought the monsters were kind of weird, uh, and they were way overpowered. Um, they, what's, what were they called? The Tao Te? I think so, yeah, the Tao Te. Yeah, so the Tao Te were pretty great. Uh, I like that scene at the end where they're flying around in the, uh, in the hot air balloon. I like when they're flying in the giant stained glass tower. Uh, I like it when things barf into the mouth of another thing. <laughs> Just, a, just as a general rule, not just in this movie. Just as a general rule, not even in, just in movies, in real life sometimes. Um, you look up when Stuart's like, hey, I want to show you something on YouTube, and all the recommended <laughs> videos on the side are all just like, mama bird feeds baby bird. Frat party gone out of control. Yeah. That one scene in Stand By Me. Uh, so yeah, movie I kind of liked. I it's like almost there for me. Like I, um, it was a movie that I wished had a little bit more unique quality to it, because then I think I would have liked it more. So it was, but it's not bad, and it's not laughable. And yeah, even though the monster designs, I was like, I see the parts that went into that design. They got eyes on their shoulders. That's weird. You know, you got to stab them in the shoulder, and their eye hurts, and they're like, ah, like that's pretty cool. Uh, but I, it was like the the promise of the beginning of the movie, where it's all these color-coded soldiers in bright armor tromping around on that wall, getting ready for monsters to attack them, and then later they use giant scissors to cut monsters in half. It just, like, never fulfills that promise. So I'm like, movie, come see me after class. <laughs> it's like that scene in, uh, what was that movie called? Boy Story? The one, uh... Toy Story? No, not... Oh, Boyhood. <laughs> It was like in Boyhood. Boyhood, you got the. You thought it was called Boy Story. <laughs> How inaccurate is it that I? Uh, I mean, it's a movie about a boy. I didn't think it was called you About a Boy. That's a different you ran movie. Everybody. Uh, they're all about boys. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> anyway, uh, how in, there's that scene in Boyhood where the photography teacher is like. Look, you got to start trying. You have talent, but you're not working hard enough, and you're not going to get work. You're going to lose it to people who are not as talented as you because you don't are not trying. And he's like, whatever. And I feel like that's the conversation I had with the Great Wall while I was watching it. Do you think? Right. Do you think that the that the director like intentionally dumbed himself down because he's like, I need to appeal to Western audiences for like a blockbuster. I got to make this kind of dumb. Maybe. Well, I think when you look at the screenwriting credits, it's all Hollywood people. And I think a Hollywood script was handed to them, and they're like, we want to do what Hollywood does. Let just get Hollywood people to write a script. And that the Hollywood people were like, maybe not. I, I'm, I don't want to cast dispersions on anyone or motivations. But it feels like they were like, they want a big Hollywood blockbuster? Let's give it to them. Crank it, crank it, crank it, crank it, crank it. Here you go. You know, there was somewhere that was missing that flair of inspiration. All right, well, we... Uh... That separates the great walls <laughs> okay. from the merely good walls. We should move along. Uh, the, uh, the show before us went on a little long, so and we Now should... we're going real And we're going long. The show so... after us is fucked. Podcasts. 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 <laughs> They're audio programs that tell smart stories in innovative ways using editing techniques like, like this. this. Like this. Like this. Like this. Like this. Like this. Like this.
But let's face it, all that smart stuff can be exhausting. That's where Stop Podcasting Yourself comes in. It's so stupid. It's just two stupid dinguses being dumb idiot jerks for 90 minutes. Stop Podcasting Yourself. The stupid show that smart people love. Find it on iTunes. Or MaximumFun.org. It's been a long time coming, but John Roderick finally has a podcast on the MaximumFun.org network. (sighs) The long wait is over. (laughs) Max Fun Friends, I teamed up with these two unlikely nerds and their dumb Star Trek podcast. (laughs) And we talk about uh, war movies, not just in a laudatory and salivating way. (laughs) <laughs> but we apply critical thinking principles to uh, the multiple, multiple subtexts that are woven in every war movie. And Sylvester Stallone specifically. <laughs> it is not that. It is not that at all. So go grab Friendly Fire every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, sorry to break into the live show, but it's time for everyone's favorite thing in the world. A Dan McCoy solo ad read. Oh boy, is there anything better? So today the Flophouse is sponsored in part by Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. For eight weeks... Ending on February the 26th, Blue Apron is teaming with Whole30 to bring you delicious recipes. Our menu will feature two Whole30 approved recipes each week like seared steaks and warm lemon salsa verde with roasted broccoli and sweet potato. Not cold lemon salsa verde, warm lemon salsa verde. The warmest lemons in the West. Please kickstart your new year with Blue Apron and Whole30. And Blue Apron is treating the Flophouse listeners, that's you guys. I didn't need to identify you guys. I hope you understand that. If not, you shouldn't be listening to podcasts. But they're treating you listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash flophouse. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash flophouse. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And you know what? Why just have one advertisement when you can have two? Our other sponsor for this program is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. Looking for your next great hire but short on time? Oh boy, am I. You just need the right tools. Smarter tools. Tools that will one day take over the world. Tools that have become sentient. Wait, that's not in the copy. I apologize. No, what's here is it says uh, ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 job boards with just one click. Then they actively look for the most qualified candidates and invite them to apply. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yeah, you can do it just for funsies at that price. Just free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. We got a couple of 
jumbotrons in the op on the screen uh, before we get back to the Great Wall. First off, um, here's a podcast for you. 17-year-old Jennifer Dash leaves home to solve the world. As the world turns to chaos, she will meet heroes, villains, and gods of old. Neil Gaiman and Lewis Carroll meet Welcome to Night Vale in this 100-episode fiction podcast by Dante Stack. Merry Christmas, Dante, from your wife. Find Solve the World podcast on iTunes or DanteStack.com. Oh, that's a nice Christmas gift from Dante's wife. I hope you check out that 100-episode fiction podcast, Solve the World. That's a lot of episodes. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) that's my endorsement that's a lot of episodes congratulations on numerical supremacy um and the second message is from is for rather eddie last name withheld from lisa emma and charlotte so if you're an eddie who knows a lisa emma and a charlotte that might be your last name withheld and they write surprise happy 51st birthday eddie and you thought last year's Jumbotron message and a song from Elliot was the pinnacle of your life, this year, Stuart is going to apologize personally to you for entering his back and missing the LA Live podcast. Or maybe not. Stuart is mercurial like that. Anyway, we love you and wish you the best year ever. Yeah, Stuart is so mercurial that he's not here. I mean, it would be a little weird that he would be here right now since I'm doing these messages uh, solo, having just gotten home from work. Uh, in anticipation of posting a live episode. If he was in my house, just say, like, I don't know, showering or something, that would have been strange. Not unwelcome, but strange. Uh, Anyway, enough of my futile attempts to make my voice alone sound interesting. It's time to get back to the, uh, I believe, Philadelphia. Was that where we were? Episode with Great Wall. See you soon. We've got about, I think we've got about 15 minutes maybe for questions from the audience. Uh, I don't know we, why you're looking at me. We, I thought maybe you <laughs> remembered where the microphone was. Oh, which side of the stage. The microphone is going to be right down there. Uh, hey, Peaches. Um, I just wanted to uh, thank you for all the f- relatively free content that you've given over the years. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Relatively I mean, is it's right. It's free to you. <laughs> I don't understand what you mean relatively no, free. No, no, it's the, pr- the price he's paying with his soul. Let him ask his question, Dan. <laughs> I'm, and that's the other thing. We're so glad you guys are here. Don't worry about fluffing us. Come on, you know. You don't have to thank us. You came here and, and came to see us. Let's ask the questions, huh? But thank you. You're, you're welcome. Oh, and uh, I'm Sean, last name withheld. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hi, Sean. Hey. Um, with Sean em- Michaels, the wrestler. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, with Kellyan, uh, Kellyan, Elliot Kalin leaving for L.A., uh, Stu and Dan, what are you two going to miss most about having Elliot in the proverbial flop house. Aww. Aww. Here uh, it comes. Praise aplenty. <laughs> I'll just bask in it. I feel like you're going to be disappointed in uh, the first thing that came to my mind, which is I'm going to miss uh, seeing Elliot absolutely dismantle a chicken. <laughs> if you... It's gross. It is. It's gross. <laughs> it is like the scene in a cartoon where a, a, a cat gets a fish... Puts it down its gullet and then pulls out a perfect 
fish skeleton. It's like the scene when like a hardened assassin is breaking down all of his weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> but also like there are fewer bones than you would expect once he's done. He has clearly eaten <laughs> half of the bones. This is something this is something my son has a lot of pride in. But he'll he'll eat like a drumstick and then he goes, "Daddy, you can have the bone." And he's like he's like, "I want to see you eat the bone, daddy." And I'm like, "With pleasure." Yeah. And I say, I say to him, someday, son, I'm going to teach you the secrets of how to do this. And one thing that I, uh, I think what, he was, what uh, Sean was implying is also what I'm going to be looking forward to now that Elliot's gone. <laughs> is uh, we're going to be able to record with Dan's cat, Archie, actually uh. in the room, as opposed to crying sadly in the other room <laughs> while Elliot laughs and taunts Archie. <laughs> I do a lot of this, what's that arch? I can't hear you through the door. <laughs> yeah, Elliot has been pretending to be allergic to cats all this time just because he hates them. <laughs> he's just, this is, is this, he's uh, gaslighting Archie. Yeah, so I can get his jewels. <laughs> that was a great question, I loved it. Next question, please. Hi, Peaches. My Hi. name is Neil, last name withheld. Hi there. Um, I actually saw my first live show of you guys in Brooklyn when you did Fifty Shades, and um, I took my mom, because, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I because you like awkward rides yeah. home. <laughs> we we kind of didn't look at each other during the whole thing, but um, she, she said she enjoyed it, kind of. She was like, your humor, <laughs> your humor was soft. You don't have to qualify like, it for us. That's honestly, that's, honestly that's, that's the way I feel about the show. <laughs> that's better than my mom feels about the show. <laughs> Uh, basically, I wanted to know, like, um, I think that introduction went pretty well. I don't think she would listen to one on her own. I think maybe if I made her listen to it, she would. Um, is there something... <laughs> yeah, she, she has to. She's legally obligated. Um, is there something that you tried to introduce to your parents that, like, whether it be a movie or a TV show or something, that you were like, oh, my God, they're going to love it, and then at the end they were like, well... Um. <laughs> uh, I got really excited... Uh, when the movie About Schmidt came out, because I really liked it. And so I'm like, Mom and Dad, you gotta watch About Schmidt. They hated it. For some reason, a movie about a man growing old and losing his mate <laughs> just didn't connect with them. And, uh, uh, yeah. Did, is it that it didn't connect with them? Or may, maybe it connected... Are you saying it connected too much? Possibly. Because oh, okay. sometimes when we touch the honesties too much. Yeah. Um, Dan, you uh, recommend a lot of hardcore pornography to your parents. A lot of hardcore what? Pornography. All yeah, right. what, what, what other come hardcore, after hardcore? I don't know. A lot of a lot, a lot of, of hardcore cat videos. A lot of hardcore hockey. <laughs> Dan, you recommended hardcore Henry to your parents. <laughs> How did they feel? I can't believe it took you that long to get to the hardcore Henry. Uh, I think I may have said this on the podcast already, so I'm, I, I just, I was always in charge of, like, I was the guy who was sent to rent a movie because I liked reading movie reviews. By the way, Dan, if they show Hardcore Henry on FX, do they have to call it Softcore Henry? Oh! <laughs> you can finish your story, I'm sorry. No, there's not much to the story. Like, I, I remember, like, cycling to the, the uh, store and picking up, uh, my pick was Wayne's World. And I brought that it seems home. like a family crowd pleaser. No, yeah, and my parents were just like, why did you get Wayne's World? <laughs> They're already familiar enough with Wayne's World. My parents are like, 
academics, like Anglophile academics, and so they're just like, what is this? But they liked Wayne's World. Yeah, it's a funny movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, I remember my mom was, uh, when Hedwig and the Angry Inch came out on DVD, she was just like, should I watch this? I was like, it's great. She did not care for it. <laughs> Couldn't finish it. The other one I, story I want to tell is not me recommending, but I had a weird conversation with my dad years ago where he goes, he goes, you ever heard of this movie Dead Rangers? And I'm like, yeah, definitely. It's great. He's like, so stepmom and I rented it the other night. Uh... Like, can you explain us wh why someone would watch that? And I was like, all right, I don't think I can, Dad. I don't think I can explain that to you. But, yeah. I, but, but for years, I've been like, why did they rent Dead Ringers? <laughs> it's not like the box art is that compelling. No. It's not like a Boris Vallejo painting or something. <laughs> right, or even Julie Bell, at all least. Right. We should move on. Thank you. Thank you very much. We got some hey, mic, uh, mic hey, wrangling. Hi. Uh, Brendan, last name withheld. Hey, Brendan. I uh, really enjoyed your Adventure Zone crossovers, and oh, I was thanks. wondering. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Some people did not. <laughs> <laughs> Their names were Reddit. <laughs> and I was Twitter. wondering uh, if you guys could ever see yourself doing uh, an RPG again, and maybe something like uh, Feng Shui 2 <laughs> that is built to have more uh, improv and uh, create the setting of an action movie, something like that? Yeah, so you're referring to the uh, tabletop role-playing game Feng Shui. <laughs> All right. Where you get to recreate like, a, like an action movie. Uh, well, I'm always trying to get these guys to do fun stuff like that with me, but it also is a lot of work, especially if you're like trying to make something that people can listen to. Um, and if there's one thing that made me respect Griffin McElroy more than anything, it's having to do that show and then the amount of stress I had to put, uh, that I put up with and the amount of work I had to put into it. This isn't funny at all, I'm sorry. Um, but, I mean, I I'm assuming I'll probably be able to convince them to do something once a year, but I think that's about all, it's right? It's difficult to schedule, but maybe. You never know. Dan, li Dan likes role-playing. I'm coming around on it. Of a certain type. I'm coming around on it a little bit. I, uh, I feel like I'm... Your buddy I, Vin Diesel fucking loves it, dude. Come on, man. Are you cooler than Vin Diesel? <laughs> For no. being the only person in the Flophouse with actual improv training, I am the weakest person when it comes to doing character stuff on those things. So that's why I feel a little, like, gun-shy, I think. Well, you just got to imagine. You got to pretend that you're an orc or something. <laughs> Thanks for that advice. That's the That's secret. That's just a trick. You shouldn't reveal that secret. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Next question, please. Sup, dudes? I'm hey. Willie Ewell, bank account information withheld, and I wanted to know, in a theoretical movie about God and the devil, what horribly unfit actors would you guys like to see play those roles? Hmm. Like for shock value, where it's like, I can't believe that's the person they cast for that. I gotta see this movie. Uh, about, yeah. Okay. Who is terrible, like, bad casting for God and the devil? It's so hard for the devil because I feel like everything's kind of been tried. We're like, this kid is the devil. Or, like, this, this, like, funny guy or this goofy guy or this sexy lady or this old lady or this young lady. Like, it's, I feel like everyone's been tried for the devil, so maybe, like, a chair? <laughs> <laughs> what about that guy you hate from the Big Bang Theory? What about him as the Jim devil? Jim Parsons? Well, he is the devil, so that's not, <laughs> that's not casting. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I just don't love that show. But, and he played God on Broadway already, Jim Parsons. Did he? Yeah, in uh, 
David Jabberbaum's hit. I don't want to see Jared Leto play either of them. Unless, what if he played both of them? Oh, like it's, what if he did like listening. A, that I would thought you were talking about like a True West sort of thing where he switched the roles every night. With himself? Yeah, with himself. <laughs> I would so there's think just like, empty space on stage with him every night? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more of like a Two-Face thing where like half his hair is in like crazy oh, cornrows or something. Yeah. Like in Panic Room. Yeah. <laughs> and the other half is crazy and burned up. Like in Panic Room. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we have much more to say about that, so let's move on. Consider that question unanswerable. Next question, please. Uh, first off, wow, can't believe I'm seeing the Flophouse guys. Oh, wow. 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 We're so glad you're here. Wow. wow. <laughs> Philadelphia, wow. I'm John. Is that a lot of, uh, a lot of <laughs> wow, lightsabers? Wow. Yeah. What? A lot of lightsaber sounds. Yeah, light, yeah, that's what lightsabers sound like. I'm if anyone has any West, videos yeah. about it, please send them to us. John's trying to ask us a question, Sorry, I apologize. dude. I can't believe I'm actually trying to shut down Elliot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm John, last name withheld. I just watched the Cronenberg fly again for the bajillionth time. And mm-hmm. afterwards, I uh, found myself just so repulsed by any house fly anywhere. What was the last Before time? you loved them. Yeah, before I just loved them. Before you're like, hooray, dinner. So repulsed. You're like, come and, on over, let me share my food with you. And that was just the mark of such a great horror movie for me is I could, I could see it so many times but still be repulsed by this thing that it was about. Like, what, was, what are some things like that for you guys? Like an ordinary household thing that you could be repulsed by by a movie. Uh, I, I would say, I remember after I saw the movie Cabin Fever, I got like really nervous about getting a disease, like a flesh-eating disease. <laughs> That's not really a household thing, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but yeah, so that's my only answer. Is <laughs> I don't want to get a disease. I mean, well, after I, one of the things I loved about It Follows was that I was kind of afraid of everything afterwards. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, whenever anyone tries to commit suicide in a movie, I'm just like, oh boy. <laughs> So, common household item, suicide, all right. <laughs> no, I just like, uh, it's like, as a depressed person, I'm, yeah, I, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's very good that I look at that and I'm just like, not for me. <laughs> I agree, Dan, that is very good, sincerely. I'm very glad you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, if that, if that ever changes, please. <laughs> please call <laughs> us. Please call us. If, they, if you start, if you're like, 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 please get in touch. Otherwise, don't bother calling us. <laughs> hey there, guys. Uh, Sam, last name withheld. There's a big fighting game tournament going on this weekend, so it made me curious. If you guys were uh, characters in a fighting game, what would your super special finishing move be? Mm. I guess... Oh, wait, it's true. You can go. I was going to ascribe your moves are basically Phoenix Wright's moves from the Marvel vs. <laughs> Capcom game. Yeah, I guess where so. Where he's like just talking a lot. <laughs> but of course, let's not forget my specialist move of all. <laughs> when I sing and sing and sing after watching a movie like The Great Wall. Sometimes no, you just have a song in your heart that you gotta get out. Especially when it's the end of a fight and they tell you to finish him and you go, all right, 
But the thing that you want to do the most is sing, because it's your favorite thing. When you're finishing a fight every night, it's all right when you finish a fight to sing in the light or the dark of the night. I mentioned night before, but I'm using that word again. So what kind of move did you want to do, Dan? I can. And so I'd <laughs> sing them to death after the fight. It's going to be cool, then I'll fly a kite. And I'm running out of words off the top of my head that rhyme with fight. So they'll be dead. That rhymes with head. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we'll, uh, we, got, we got another question. You know, sometimes you sing a song. Oh, shit. And you worry we wanna, how We want to get through as many questions as we can. Uh, I get to be on this show all the time, and yet I'm eating up all the time. <laughs> yes, please. Sorry, next question. Hi. Uh, I'm Anna, last name with Hogg. Um, and in the years I've been listening, I've had Sorry? many. In the years that I've been listening to the show, there have been many questions I've thought about writing in, but I've forgotten them all. Um, so instead, I have something I'd like to give you fellows. Oh, um, oh, oh awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, Thank you. It's my birthday tonight, but I'm giving you a present. Um, oh, wow. Happy birthday. That's awesome. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for being it's, here with us. It's uh, Prince. They go together as a set. Um, Don Rose's uh, Blueprints for Scrooge McDuck's um, what? Mo Money Band. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's going in the Hall you. of Trophies for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you very, very much. much. Please. If you want to, you can come up and give it to us now, or you can... Please, yeah, yeah. Please come on up. Security, it's okay. Let her in. It's all right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank what? you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, okay. cool. We're going to be pouring over those later so we can beat the Beagle Boys to it. Oh. If we're not already too late. <laughs> Thanks so much. That's Thank awesome. you. That's great. Dan, uh, you don't like duck stuff, so I'll just hold on to it. All right. <laughs> uh, next question. Just hey kidding, guys. I love duck stuff. Hey guys, Mark, last name withheld. I have money I can give you. I don't have anything to that. <laughs> no, no, no keep your money. Um, After the show, give us the All right, will do. If anyone else has money, yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, I'm an eighth grade uh, history teacher. And... I thought you were about to say you're in eighth grade, and I'm like, this, <laughs> this is very, very late for, for you. Very tall. Um, and every year, universally, and I'm pretty sure that's with any eighth grader, they have terrible taste in everything, but especially movies. Mm -hmm. Every year I get, you haven't seen Haunted House 2? I'm like, why would I see that? It's the greatest movie ever. Um, <laughs> and I don't get a lot of wiggle room within the year to show them actual non-school-related movies. I somehow got Gremlins approved. Oh, <laughs> lots of history in that one. <laughs> right before winter break. Um, but I was wondering if you guys had any gateway movies for like 13, 14-year-olds that could kind of get them maybe a little later on into actual good movies. So they actually have hmm. good taste. Uh, have you ever thought about gremlins? <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good idea. Good call. I feel like like all of the old like Amblin entertainment movies were like that thing back in the day, you know? Like E.T. Yeah, E.T. and yeah, and Gremlins and like 
all the Spielbergian like. Stand by me. What about Stand by Me? That's a good one. I think that's a good gateway for kids to watch movies that have no like fantastic element in them. Okay. You know, where it's just about kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly was shown it many times by my dad, and I'd be like, I saw that movie. Yeah, we're watching it again. I'm just like, I'm just like thinking of movies that I saw in school, and like I remember we watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I'm like, what is the educational content of this? I guess it's making me like archaeology. Yeah. And hate Nazis. I remember I watched 1776. That's great. I love the idea that they showed you that in school, and you're like, I'm never going to use this. And then 40 years later, you have to choose between grails, and you're like, oh, (laughs) if only I'd paid attention Uh, in class. Which is the cup of a carpenter? (laughs) Oh, boy. Is it this bejeweled plate that's here for some reason? (laughs) That's not even a cup. To weed out the really stupid explorers? (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a very good question. Stand by me is a good response. Although I don't even show it in school because there's you know swearing and stuff and throw ups. I mean, all all those movies in the like PG movies in the eighties were wild, dude. Yeah, like crazy. Teen Wolf, that's crazy. I feel like this is an old movie, but I feel like a lot of people I know were shown Twelve Angry Men in school and really got into it in a way that they didn't with other black and white movies. And I'm not sure why that is, but. That's a good one. For what, about, good one. what about like Lawrence of Arabia? <laughs> yeah, show them a four-hour movie <laughs> that's best seen in 70 millimeters Everyone's, on Are you saying it's not a good binge movie? watching shit nowadays. They can watch that's four true. hours. I, actually, as long as you cut in <laughs> closing credits every 45 minutes, yeah. someone will just sit and watch Lawrence of Arabia all the way through. Somebody whip up like a Lawrence of Arabia like intro theme <laughs> that's really catchy. Yeah. Super emo, yeah. Yeah, like, well, like a Kimmy Schmidt type thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's all we've got. I mean, we, it's better than my gateway movie, which was when I was eight or nine, and my dad showed me RoboCop, so. Better than RoboCop? No, no, I just say it's like, that wasn't the most appropriate film for me to see. All right, I think that we can stretch things and get through our whole line we got here. Just a, we got two hey, more got questions two more left. Nobody hey. jump in at the last minute. Thanks, guys. Uh, Zach, last name withheld. Morris. Um, uh, so I used to spend a lot of time in a tour van as a musician, and one of the conversations that would come up a lot is uh, the definitive ranking of the Fast and Furious film franchise. <laughs> and uh, I was wondering if I could have a couple seconds of your time to uh, just answer this once and for all. Sure, yeah. So uh, it just it ends it, and I don't have to debate this with my now former bandmates anymore. <laughs> So, Elliot, you're the gearhead of the gang. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm a real car talk. (laughs) Do you want to do it at the same time together? Yeah, let's all do it. So, so number one's Fast fast Five, no question. You're crazy. There's there's two two Furious for... Wait, you're just listing them in order? No, no, no. There's there's the Furious... There's Fast fast, Furious, Seven Minutes in Heaven. That's the seventh one. And then there's like just uh, the ten of us. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's six, really it's, six is it? It's really Christian one. though. Fury. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, there was uh, Mad Max, Fast and Furious Fat, Road. Yeah, Fast Five Dollar Foot Long. Which one yeah. does Which one does Vin Diesel come back for? This uh, This is Fast Forty. The uh, oh wow, that's the fortieth one. There's the Fast and the Furriest. That's yeah. the, where the, the the furries just have an orgy. <laughs> But it's super, it's over Not quickly. Not always. <laughs> always. There's, uh, In this case, it was. There's, yeah. uh, the Fast and the Foodiest. That's the Ray Kroc story with Michael Keaton. There's the, 
as the, the vulture. There's the slow and the sanguine. That, yeah. That's... That was... That's probably not, forget, not a very good uh, one. Uh, there was also, like, Mad Max meets Fast and the Furious Part 3, The Avenging. I feel yeah. a little bit like when you bring, like, a soccer ball out and you're like, hey, guys, let's play soccer. <laughs> and they just kicked it over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows the best Fast and Furious movie is The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, starring Walter Matthau. <laughs> just goes without saying. There's a subway chase at the end, but the train's just chasing itself. And I've seen all the Fast and the Furious movies and could not have less of an opinion on this matter. <laughs> uh, so let's... <laughs> we answer that one. We've got one last question. I hope that settles the debate. Well, that was really funny, so I almost feel bad because I'm about to be a total killjoy. Bring so, it down. Bring yeah. Killjoy, last name withheld. Always leave them sad. Uh, That's we the left, now it's time to cry. Uh, not to be totally pedantic, Elliot, but I really took no, please. issue... <laughs> I really took issue with your recommendation of Love and Anarchy, one of my favorite films, mm-hmm. uh, when you suggested that it was sort of a romanticization of prostitution or sex work when I think that actually she is doing the exact opposite of that. Interesting. Where she is weaponizing femininity and weaponizing male desire against fascism, which is something that I think is like a really important reason why we should be watching that movie right now. Mm-hmm. And then also I think that some of the scenes you're talking about, she's actually mocking the directors that you're talking about, like mocking their fetishization of yes. those you women. Take that. It's a, no, I mean, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very fair point, and like. So I, I would th- like you to rewatch, or everyone, watch this movie. I mean, I'd lo- I'd rewatch it because it's a really good movie. Be, yeah, it's a I good think that there's, I think it's more that that specific movie. I might have been reacting in that movie to a certain strain of European film, sure. uh, where it's like, you know, what's the most fun place to be? A whorehouse. <laughs> The guys are having fun. The girls are having fun. I guess like Fellini movies is what I'm talking yeah, about. Where as much as I like Fellini, he's like, and Billy Wilder to a certain extent, it's like, let's just face it. Women well, are never more fun than when they're prostitutes. I think she's, and she's responding to that in that movie. I oh, think. okay. So Maybe. That's what I, I, mean, would, I would suggest you watch it with that eye. Okay. The Johns in it are certainly like the butt of the joke, you know, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to interpret too much, but I'm assuming your question is, What's it like being so dumb? (laughs) That's a fair point. And it wasn't pedantic at all. It would have been pedantic if you were like, actually, the title is The Incident That Took Place at the Such and Such Brothel at Such and Such Time, which is like the full Italian title, but I don't know it. That's too long. So fair point. I'm going to watch that movie again tonight, and you guys are watching it with me. And we're going to live blog the whole experience. All right. Anything to keep you guys quiet in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just we're driving back in. home tonight, and that's what, that, that is what we're doing. We're watching Love and Anarchy in the back, and then maybe some episodes of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Uh. Finding Dory. <laughs> uh, but that's a fair point, and I take it as such. All right. Uh, so defeat. what do we do now on this podcast? Now thing? is the point of the podcast where we have to sadly say goodnight. Oh. Because we do. We are actually going back to New York tonight. <laughs> So. Because we don't want to spend one more second in your stink town. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over. I don't have to pretend I like this hellhole anymore. <laughs> Give me three good things Philadelphia ever gave the world. Can't say cream cheese, because I don't like that shit. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone yelled out Bill Cosby. Someone uh, who, is not, who has not paid attention to the news in several years. <laughs> 
So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Oh, wow. Elliot Kalin, that's me. Good night, Philadelphia. Right. Thank you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.